Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. Super excited to start a new series this week. It's titled Resolution. And I don't know, there's something really special about this one. I I don't know if it's the research I've done or just the topic itself or what, um, but I'm super excited to jump into it. I'm joined by lead pastor of Mission City Church, Russell Schultz. What's up, Russell? How are you doing today, man? Doing well. Doing well. Just uh, excited to talk about some resolutions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, if you are tuning into this because you are a resolution person and you search resolution podcast and you've stumbled upon this one, it might not be what you're looking for. (laughs) This is not going to be about human resolutions. This is about uh, a resolution that God made um, with his people. And we're looking at the offerings in Leviticus, the beginning of Leviticus chapters one through seven. Uh, If you did stumble upon this and this is not exactly what you're looking for, I'd encourage you to stick around. Just give us a chance. See what what you might stumble upon or might learn. Um, It's an interesting topic and one that we can all learn a lot from. But uh, I don't know, man. I've uh, it's been a rough morning here, if I'm completely honest. So, uh, Russell, I don't know if this happens to you or not, but I got up this morning, went to get some milk, and even though the jug said expires January 16th, give it a little little smell test, and my calendar says January 10th, but that milk had gone bad. Oof. And uh, then, so then that's all right. Moving on with the day. Uh, baby spits up on my shirt. Got to go change it, put on a new shirt. And have you ever, uh, I detest laundry. Uh, it's like, I, I think, I think everyone has those like chores that they, you know, like nobody, I don't know if everybody loves doing household chores, but like there's the ones that you don't mind. And then there's the ones that you really hate. Laundry falls in the really hate category for me. And so oftentimes I end up screwing it up, either leaving it in like the water, the, the washer too long or leaving it in the basement too long, hanging or whatever. And the shirt that I put on just had like, kind of a, a smell to it. I don't know what it was. I can't describe it. It wasn't necessarily bad. It just like smelled off. And so Had that a little funk to it, huh? Yeah, that didn't feel great. And then Judas spit up on that shirt too. So Well, he must have smelled it as well. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Threw him off too. Um so so that's how this morning's going. But uh I think it can be redeemed. We're soldiering on, powering through as we always do. And so it's gonna be a good day. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've had days like that. I, I also don't love doing laundry, although I, I've noticed recently as I've done laundry, it doesn't take as long as I perceive it to. Oh. You know, like in my mind, oh, folding clothes is going to take forever. And it's right. like, not really. Yeah. Well, and thank goodness for like podcasts and stuff like this to give you something in the background while you're doing stuff like that to give you a little entertainment value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, right. well, let's jump into our topic today. So, uh, in order to give this series, I think, the justice it deserves, I think it's important that we really outline a little bit more of like what the purpose of it is. And so, uh, in Leviticus, we see that there are these five offerings that God gives to the nation of Israel in order to really 
have a solution, a resolution to the problem that's created at the beginning of the Bible. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, where we've gone so far, God creates the world. There's the fall of man, which creates a lot of problems, namely that there is separation from God's presence. There's conflict with other humans. Death enters the world. Sin enters the world. And all these things need a new solution. And so there's kind of this, uh, this ongoing resolution or attempts at resolutions that God has. Uh, we have Noah and his story in the flood, Abraham and his descendants. God creates a, you know, a promise with them. And then they go into slavery and we have the Moses story and the Exodus from Egypt. And now that God has set up a new people, he wants to have a place to meet with them. And so they set up this tent, which is going to be somewhat of a new Eden. Uh, it's a place for God's presence to dwell. It's a place for the people to make petitions to him. It's a place for them to, uh, in some ways, meet with him yeah. uh, in a way. And so it's kind of this, yeah, like I said, this this new kind of Eden type environment where they can experience what was originally for them in the first place. And this is God's new and latest, at this point, solution to the problem uh, that's created from sin and the fall of man in the garden originally. So oftentimes when you read through a section of the Bible like this, you might skip over this section. You might uh, read it and just kind of think like, this is weird, or uh, I don't know why they would do this. I don't understand this. This is just one of those things that God does that I don't, I'm never going to understand. So I'm just going to move on. It's the old Testament. Who cares anyway? Right? Like that, that doesn't apply to me, but like all of that. And yet uh, I think that there's actually a, you're missing out on a ton of really important things and seeing God's character if you if you kind of read it that way. And so, uh, Russell, any thoughts on that or just that idea, like the Old Testament's kind of not for me or these sacrifices maybe aren't worth our time or anything like that, like experience that you've had talking to people that maybe felt that way? Yeah, I mean, I've felt that way before. Um, I, I do think, you know, the Old Testament is hard sometimes to understand. I do think... Uh, that's why like we use resources and people that are smarter than us to help 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 that uh, I think the the word theme themes come to mind like in the same way that we've talked about maybe on Sundays about just the different themes of the Old Testament that are coming to light um, that there's themes that that are intentional by the writers in Leviticus uh, that that give reason for what's going on and then once you start seeing those themes it makes it really exciting I, I also think too um, you know, there's the the Bible makes a really clear distinction that there is no, we say it uh, this way: there's no god like our God, uh, or there's no god like Yahweh. And again, he's they're in an ancient Near Eastern uh, world. They are, you know, they're surrounded by other nations that have gods. I'm putting air quotes around that lowercase g gods that they believe in, and. Um, and the, the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible specifically, are trying to show how Yahweh is distinctly different than them. And so sacrifice was a part of that day. It wouldn't have been uncommon for you know, every society to have some version of sacrificial system. Uh, but that was more like trying to appease the gods, as opposed to what you're talking about is this being a gift from God. Yeah, and I, I think... I'm glad that you put it that way because I don't think that we typically think of that. Like this is not something that we think of as a gift from God. It's more so like what we have to do to, to or for God, right? So if we try to put this into like a modern context, you know, we would think of like this, what we do. I, I don't know. Maybe this is the wrong way to look at it, but what we do for God in a, in a sense, you know, like the sacrifice 
the sacrificial system, if you put it into some, if you overlaid it into something that we do today, again, it's going to look like something that we do for God or thought of as something that we do for God. But really it's God's opportunity for his people to come back into his presence. You got to take yourself out of today's context of having, you know, the opportunity through the spirit to go into the presence of God. The literally the only way that you could in this, in this time go into God's presence was the way that he set up for you, which was this sacrificial system. And so uh, we're going to look at these five offerings. Uh, I'll kind of lay all five of them out for you. And was then, it was it shocking to you that there were five? Like, did you know prior to this all five of them? No. Uh, actually, and I think that there's like, it feels like there's like a hundred. It does, yeah. As you go on throughout the book of Leviticus, you're going to see like a lot of other like different laws for different things or whatever. But yeah, it, it feels like there's more than five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there, there are really five main ones that are laid out. It's the ascension or burnt offering, which we're going to talk about today. It's kind of the foundation for all of them. Uh, the gift offering or grain or even cereal, some place it's called. The peace or fellowship offering. The purification or sin offering. And then the restitution or guilt offering. And now when I say or, it just depends on like kind of what your translation is, where you might see them in the scriptures. Uh, they have different names, but they're all, those, those are the two titles given to kind of each of those different offerings. And again, these are good things that God has gifted to his people to give them an opportunity to be set apart and to come into his presence and to solve the problems that happened when sin entered into the world. And so uh, that's the viewpoint. That's the lens that we're going to be looking at these through. Uh, and like I mentioned, we're going to talk about this, the burnt or ascension offering first today, which again, it's the foundation. It's incredible. Uh, you might, <laughs> I say it's incredible. It's um, gross and weird, but the idea behind it and the purpose of it is, is awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so uh, I'm not going to read all of Leviticus chapter one, but you can read that for yourself. You find the, the total outline of the burnt offering, and I'll just kind of give you some of the highlights here. Uh, so it has to be an offering from uh, that is a male without blemish. Uh, it's brought to the front of the tent where the uh, sacrificial altar would be, unless it's, uh, I believe, a bird offering. So an animal from the flock is treated uh, is treated the same, but it's killed on the north side of the tent. So that'd be the only time it's a different place. Uh, the hand from the offer would be placed on the head of the animal, which is super important because it kind of uh, transmits like... We'll get into this a little bit later. It's a little bit weird and uh, maybe hyper-spiritual for you, but it, it kind of transmits your, not necessarily your sin, but almost like the the animal is going to go into the presence of God and you are, it's taking your place. And so that laying on of your hand is really the, uh, it's the connection that you have with that animal and the sacrifice that's about to be made with it. Uh, the blood of the animal is thrown on the sides of the altar. The head and fat are placed on the altar the entrails and legs are washed with water, and then all of it is burnt, other than the, the skin, which is weirdly given to the, the priests. So uh, you get to do with that what you want, priests. Um, an again, an animal from the flock is treated the same, but it's killed on the north side. Bird offerings have their necks wrung and blood spilled on three sides. And again, this might be sound really gross. Uh, there's a purpose for all of this, but the blood is really important because that's where the life is found. We'll see that later in Leviticus 17, that God says that that's where the life of the animal is. And weirdly, like whether you offer, you know, an animal of the flock, an animal of the herd or a bird, 
seemingly from what I've researched, just kind of depends on like your financial status, whether what you can afford to give, what you can afford to bring, which is interesting. Yeah. Russell, any thoughts on just kind of the outline of like what Leviticus shows is like, this is what the offering is. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think, I I mean, I think there is, um, I mean, it's, it is a sacrifice. So I think that's the, it might be very just obvious, you know what I mean? But like, if it is a sacrifice, it is an animal sacrifice. Um, there's, there's a, a severity to it that, you know, I, that I, I probably don't fully comprehend being a, a, a city boy as we call it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like I've, the only animals I've had growing up were, um, we've had dogs at my dad's house. We had cats, uh, gross. Um, they also had like horses and a rabbit one time, but like outside of that, like we didn't have like chickens or like we didn't, and, and, and we never ate like them. You know what I mean? Like I, I've had friends, they grew up in like South Georgia who, you know, they have their cattle farmers or, you know, they have chickens and they, like that's their food. And so uh, like, to me, it's in some ways it's like, if you're in an agrarian society and you're trying to, you're trying to communicate like surrender of one's like life and like whole life, like the thing that you would give up would be like your animals and your, your, like, uh, your, we'll talk about this probably different, like grain, you know, whatever your, your yield is. So, but I, I don't have, it's like, to me, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to imagine, you know what I mean? Also, cause that system like, doesn't like, we're not a part of that system anymore. And so I, I, it's hard for me to have a context for it. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Like we can just, we can be honest about that for us today. This is weird. Um, but one thing that I find to be interesting is that, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, it wouldn't have been weird for them. Uh, It's not weird to have some kind of sacrificial system. It's not weird to even burn animals whole and, and like to do this kind of offering where you completely burn the animal it's actually, this isn't even the first time that this shows up. Like Genesis and Exodus both have moments where burnt offerings show up. So it's not the first time. So, so I say that to just say that they, there's a context in this civilization for what a burnt offering is. For God to say, this is what I want you to do for me. It would not have been a super weird thing to them to have that requested. Uh, and I think that that's something that we have to get over a little bit um, is that even though we find this to be incredibly weird it's not to them and I, I i tried and tried to think of something that would be a like a comparison something that we that god might ask of us today that would be really weird to them and i couldn't really think of it but i would just say this like there's also no currency in this day so for us it's like you know you think about even like a tithe or something like that that might be something that some people view as a sacrifice. A tithe is something that you would give that that's given to you, you know, it's, it's a financial thing that you've given through your work uh and whatever you do that you earn that money with, then you would give that back to God as, you know, hey, you've given me this, I'm giving you this back. Uh that's kind of the same thing here just just that the currency is the livestock because that's what made you wealthy there there wasn't a common currency it was this is what this animal is worth and so you know again this sounds really weird to us it's weird but it wouldn't have been to them and i i have a hard time getting over that i think i think i have a hard time seeing how that's even possible but it's true russell is there any comparison that comes to mind that you could be like yeah if god asked us to do this just to come into his presence it would be totally normal for us, but would completely confuse a 
early, you know, Israelite in this time period? I I really don't have a I don't I think that the hard thing is because it's just there's a different we're kind of under a, a different uh, system. You know what I mean? Like, right. So that's why it's difficult. It's like well, there's not it's there's not it's, it's not comparing apples to oranges, if you will. Yeah. It's like you know it the the system is. Uh, you know, I guess maybe Jesus actually would be the crazy thing to them. It'd be like, you're talking about a person like that's, I guess that would be the thing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's that the scene in the, the gospel where Jesus says there will be a day. I believe he's talking to the woman at the well. He says, there'll be a day when you don't worship in Jerusalem or on Mount Sinai or wherever, but that you would worship in spirit. Um, and that's, that was a radical idea that you would not go somewhere to a specific place to be in God's presence. Like for us today, it would be crazy to them to hear, Oh, you can just like pray where you're at and like not have to do something for God or like, or you can repent, you know, you can confess like where you're sitting. Like right now, if you're driving another road, you can confess. I don't have to go to, um, cause the, the sacrifice you're talking about right now is kind of like the, uh, not like the Swiss Army knife of sacrifices, but it kind of is like the generic. Right, it's the utility sacrifice. Yeah, like Job makes a sacrifice, like to like a burnt offering sacrifice for his kids when they're like after they party. Yes, just in yes. case they cut me- that in the notes for later. Yeah, yeah just in case they mess up, <laughs> like which is crazy. Like Dad's a good dad because you know when he's covering our sins in case we drink too much or whatever else it is. Thanks, Job. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but um, well, okay. So here's here's one that came to mind. I forgot about this. This is this is the closest thing I can think of, and this has nothing to do with like a sacrifice to God or anything. But it's something that's completely normal to us that wouldn't be normal to this like the person in this context. Um, imagine we'll take currency out of it. So let's say you know two hundred dollars is equal to you know a goat or something. You know, so imagine that uh, there was a an, a, an arena a wooden fenced in field where grown men would play a kid's game and you would take a goat to come to into the arena to the fence line to watch these grown men play this game. That probably would have sounded absolutely insane to someone of this time period. And yet we take, you know, our hardened money, the equivalent of, you know, the livestock and we go and we watch sporting events. We watch uh, concerts. We watch, you know, whatever it may be. And you and you sacrifice whatever it is that you, you know, your current currency in order to go do that. Uh, which probably would have sounded crazy to someone at this time. Uh, that's the, that's the closest thing I could think of. Of just like, and maybe that's silly because there's you know probably a million examples of things that we do today that would have sounded crazy to them. <laughs> Any, anything that you spend your money on today, right, would be crazy. The idea of money. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we, we have now totally killed this horse, I'm sure, and keep beating it. But um, the idea is that like just because it's weird to you doesn't mean it's weird to them. And, and it is weird, but it's it would have been normal to them. And it's God asking them to do something that culturally is normal, but changes the game in the way that they viewed him and going into his presence. Yeah. And also just just a different, you know, it's not a they're not trying to appease it's the they're not trying to appease god god is god is graciously doing this so he can be in relationship with with them you know this is this is access you know what i mean this is access to a to a holy god right 
And so we've got about 20 minutes without actually getting into the offering itself. Beautiful. So, <laughs> no, you, you listed all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's the idea. It's called the Ascension Offering um, because as the animal is burnt, uh, a, like a chemical change takes place where the, the animal itself is becoming ash and smoke, really, right? It's like, and it's rising up. It ascends. And if you think about like God's presence being like a cloud above the tent, the smoke is ascending up into God's presence. And that's where when you, when the offer would place its hand on the animal and kind of transfer, you know, this is my opportunity to go into heaven, but I'm not able to. And that's one of the really important things here because of the sin of man, because of their uncleanness, because of the things that they do that set them apart from a holy and righteous God who is perfect. They are not a, able to go into his presence and live and so they would kill an animal uh, on their behalf to then be burnt and float up rise up ascend up into god's presence on their behalf yep yeah and i the you're talking about the hand the hand placement thing uh which i was i found interesting because i always thought and this is what i was taught growing up too that the it's like a transference thing you know what i mean and so i was listening to a podcast that we both listen to the, one of the Bible Project podcasts, and uh, number one, that's what people think. They, they, that's what I literally was talking. Like, so I put my hand on it to signify, like, this is my. He's they're taking on my sin, but that doesn't make any sense in light of the definition or the idea of the ascension stuff, because only pure and blameless things are actually able to be in God's presence in that way. And so, if it's taking on my sin. The thing I'm burning has then therefore lost its pure and blamelessness, and so it it, it then would not be, be allowed to have access. Yeah, exactly. It's going on my behalf. And if you're saying, "Well, that's not fair," and if you're, you know, it's not fair for that animal. Yes, correct. That's the whole <laughs> that, point. That is the whole point. And I think this is fascinating too. That this is God's creation. Um, and now we have different, we were talking about this yesterday, how animals for different people have different significance. Um, for some people in the world, they have uh, little to no significance. They're completely indifferent. They can go to a supermarket, see a pound of beef, not think about the cow that was killed to create that or anything like that. For some people, totally go on a, a vegan diet or, or a vegetarian diet so that they don't eat any meat because they don't like the way that it comes about like to kill an animal for an animal to give its life for me to eat it doesn't seem right to them and and then there's obviously anywhere in between but the point is that what wherever you land on that scale it's not fair to that animal for it to die on behalf of whatever you're asking god for whether it be forgiveness whether it be help whether it be you we talked about this being kind of the utility sacrifice it's good for anything right like yeah for whatever you're trying to go into god's presence for and that's really the resolution that this sacrifice offers is the opportunity to go into god's presence through this animal is like whatever it is that you're that you're trying to ask for it's not fair that this animal had to die and yet god is allowing his creation to be killed so that his I guess favored creation in a way. Is that fair? Is it fair for me to say that humanity is the favored creation? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what I will say God gives us a special place in creation. Yeah. That's how I'd say it. Yeah. So, um, cause but he's I, given us, he's given us dominion. So he's given us responsibility that is different than any other part of creation. 
Right. And and that's I and think we, you want to use favorite that's fu- or favorite that's fine. Well, I just I've, don't love that word. <laughs> Favor ain't fair, man. Uh, I've got it's true. I've got some reservations with fully using the word as well. I just can't think of a better for lack of a better term. I guess. Um, yeah, it's fine. So, but but he has a he loves all of his creation, and so the fact that he's this is why we say it's it's God's gift to humanity to be able to do this is that he's saying you're allowed to take the life of this of this other creation that I've created in order for for you to come into my presence. Yeah. And and that that's a sacrifice of God. I think I think uh I wish it actually impacted me more. Like the the whole that's not fair thing that you're talking about. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, it's not fair, but like you know, I you know, I had burgers the other day or yeah, it's a cow. <laughs> it's a cow. Like, yeah. Like, what do you mean? It's, it's a cow. It's not blameless. You know what I mean? And so, but they're taking their best or, you know, this, 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 this unblemished thing as a, as a way for them to have access. And I'm, I, to me, the reason why Jesus hits home so much is like, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's a, it's a future foretelling of, of, of Jesus. When we look at Jesus' sacrifice, it's like, I instantly go, that's not fair. And, uh, right. Yeah. If, as we're describing this, you're going, well, isn't there another way? Yeah. It's God coming in the form of a man living a perfect life and dying a horrific death so that you then can go into his presence again. That's a future resolution because this one doesn't also work. (laughs) Yeah. And I, but, but I think again, it's a, it's, um, the thing that comes to mind though, is how the, the reason this is true is like, this is this is a this is a gift from God. This is a this is a this is what I keep coming back to is one it's not fair, but two it's like this is ac- this is access that is from God that he is graciously given to us because he is a holy God that desires relationship with his people. And to me that's like so profound. And <clears throat> yeah, the system is different than what I would have picked, but I'm not God and I don't, you know, I didn't create the world, so there, there you know he, he's operating in the world in some ways that he created also he's operating in the world that existed at the time of the Israelites and so but it is profound that it's like no this is a it's also clear too I think that's that's the thing I feel like uh and I'm I'm probably need to more do research more on this but it feels like other types of sacrifices that you're trying to like appease the sun god or the you know the god of the ocean and all these other things too which we could probably get all those lists of names correctly but that seems more random, right? Like I got to get lucky so there's not big waves, so I go out to sea. You know what I'm saying? Um, where this is like, there's some, there's very clear intentionality. There's very clear parameters um, around there as well. Also, I think that's interesting with this is with this sacrifice. If you're just the average Joe, uh, if you're just you're not a priest. This is as far as you get to go. Yeah, yeah. this is as close and as the, you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, because there was limitations on who was able to go into the next phase in the different spaces of the tabernacle. Also, is true of the temple as well. And so, this is like this is your shot. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it's also it's also cool to me too. Even even though there were specific roles for the high priests and then the normal priests, that even the average Joe had in a way. This is a way for the average Joe, if you will. To, to engage with a holy God, you know, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you made that point because, again, that's the whole 
purpose that we're trying to get at is that this is a this is a way for everyone to come to God. Uh, there wasn't, and I think this is another thing that's hard. Like we say, say it's weird that this sacrifice gets made. We don't have a context for it. I don't, I, I don't think we have a context for like needing something like this to get into God's presence. Again, yeah. like we talked about earlier, like that the, the spirit coming into God's presence through the spirit wasn't a thing. And the idea that you just couldn't have access to God, I think we have a hard time kind of wrapping our minds around that as well, uh, which is really interesting. Um, there's also kind of an underlying or like, um, you know, extra here that I'll, I'll hint on. Um, there's a, there's a, a way that the Bible talks about things having to pass through a fire of some kind. So when the Garden of Eden is uh, established and after humanity sins and is kicked out of it, there's then a fiery sword that's placed outside of it in a way like to get back into the Garden of Eden, you have to pass by this sword somehow. Um, and humanity obviously could not do that. Uh, and so that's part of what was keeping them out. But then you see there's, you know, this, now, uh, this offering, this burnt offering is a way to get into God's presence. Your animal passes through this fire that's supposed to be going all night, burning every piece of it. Later on, we're going to see that the unblemished uh, Daniel, uh, in the story of Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, through the fire, they're they're blameless in for going into the fire. They pass through the fire. They are safe because of their, their blamelessness, the protection. Uh, in 1 Corinthians um it says in first Corinthians three, it says the day of the Lord is like a purifying fire. Um, there's something about the idea of passing through the fire to get into God's presence, uh, that I think is really fascinating. And I don't want to take that a whole lot further. I think you could really get down some rabbit trails there, but, um, I just find that to be really interesting. And that this is kind of one of the examples of how passing through fire is a way, or is it in some ways, a it's in some ways like a, a responsibility or, a qualification to meet with God, to be in his presence, uh, which is really interesting. It could be the fire of just the trials of life, fire of hmm. uh, a number of different things. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to think about that a little bit more, I think. Yeah, there's a purification, definitely a purification um, aspect to fire, uh, purifying metals and things like that, but also just humanity. I mean, I, I do the, the fire being purifying is definitely something that comes to mind for sure. And there's some New Testament references as well. So uh, one of the things that's interesting about this uh, sacrifice, at least in Leviticus, is that although we get a pretty specific outline of how the sacrifice is to be made, we don't get a lot of when or what circumstances dictate it. We've talked about on this podcast just how uh, it's a utility sacrifice, kind of good for a number of different uh, opportunities. And so I'm going to read just a few of those here for us. Just to kind of get an idea of like, yeah, this is kind of the like different levels of how this sacrifice would be used. So in first Samuel chapter seven, Samuel is going to make a burnt offering to petition God on behalf of the Israelites as the Philistines are marching towards them. So they've been, you know, uh, this is like partly uh, on behalf of like their own sin, but also to go and petition to God uh, for him to protect them in battle, to help them to survive this attack from the Philistines. Uh, there's the example that Russell mentioned earlier in Job 1, where uh, Job's, Job's kids just throw awesome birthday parties. And Job, as a good dad, would go and just make a burnt offering just in case uh, there was some kind of sinful activity that happened at one of these parties. 
and then finally the third off, uh, third um, different example here, and there's a number of different ones that we could be used, but um, just for variety's sake, when the scattered Israelites return to Jerusalem and Ezra, they offer burnt offerings day and night as uh, a way of just like, hey, we haven't had this opportunity to be in God's presence. We're going to celebrate just the opportunity to be in God's presence. Oftentimes you'd see a burnt offering day and night. Uh, if you have been to Mission City uh, on our Sunday mornings, you'll, you've will you probably heard Evan sing this uh, song that like, I think the chorus says day and night, night and day, let incense arise, that, that uh-huh. song. Yeah. And so that's that's where that song gets this idea is that there would be these offerings happening uh in which the the smell or the sense the ascension would be going into heaven going into the presence of god but day and night would we be going into the presence of god uh and and enjoying that opportunity to be in his presence uh so uh, those are just you know there's a number of varieties like like we said it's it's kind of the utility sacrifice it's an opportunity to be in god's presence it's an opportunity to petition uh for something it's an opportunity to ask forgiveness it's an opportunity to again, just yeah, be in his presence. So, uh, Russell through all of that, what would be, I guess your biggest takeaway or maybe some of your biggest takeaways from what the burnt offering is or just the significance of it? I think I've already said, uh, some of it when you were talking about that, just day and night, night and day, I was just thinking about like a barbecue pit that you just smell just cooking meat all the time. Cause there is, there's some sacrifices that the priests actually get to eat. And so, there's a part of me that's thinking about, you know, when you, you smell some good grilled meats, like I imagine there's, there's probably the burn section, you know, the burnt offering section. And then there's also like the, the, the nicer, uh, just the, the nicer smell to the grilled section too. That's pleasant, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know why that came to mind, but that's not my, uh, that's not my takeaways. I think, um, I just think the, the amazingness of that there is a God who had desires relationship with, with humanity and his people. And I, I find that that to me is so compelling. Um, I think that also too, just how unfair this all is for the unblemished. I think that's something that is, that's worth thinking about. Um, I wish I, th- I, I think I need to think about that more. You know, I don't, I think, I think I just, um, sometimes I move so fast to the, uh, the freedom that we have in Christ as opposed to like being shocked or being changed um, and even being thankful for how unfair this actually is. Uh, not for me. It's actually like it's unfair because I get to benefit from it. I think those are probably the two that stick out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have a couple here that are, are similar, but, but a little bit different. So number one is that God would go to any length to make a way for his people to have access to him. Like, I just think that that's it. We, and I, again, we've hinted on this a little bit, but these animals that are being sacrificed are his creation too. Like, I have to think that there's some kind of um, pain or, or just kind of sadness that he has that this is the now what needs to happen in order for people to come into his presence, that, that there's death that has to happen. Um, and that they require something that the Israelites are offering them. Um, like, the sacrifices require that the Israelites give something of value. Like, the animals have value. But God has provided those animals to them as well. And so in a sense, it's like, sure, you're sort of God is maybe, I guess if you wanted to get really cynical about it towards God, you could say, well, God is asking them to give up something that's valuable to them. 
sure, but God has also provided that thing. And if he is asking for it, I think I'm pretty confident in saying he's going to continue to provide for it. Like there's nothing that God has asked for us that he's not going to continue to provide for. And so in that sense, it's like God not only created these animals, not only is willing to give them up, but also is providing for his people, uh, even though it might feel like a sacrifice to them to give these animals up, it's really God's already provided it anyway. Uh, and then the second thing is that nothing should ever keep us from God's presence. Mm-hmm. If this is the length that someone would have to go to to get into God's presence at this time, what excuse do we have for not just finding a quiet place on a regular basis to sit and be in his presence? There's no butcher shop that my house doesn't need to turn into a butcher shop to get into his presence. I don't have to spend all day and night burning wood and burning every last bit of, you know, a a prized possession of mine or an animal that is unblemished. Like I am so lucky. Lucky is maybe not the right word. I'm so blessed in order to have the opportunity to be in God's presence when I want to be. And not to have to go through this sacrificial system. I just like, it's, it's been weighing heavily on me. Like I have no excuse to not regularly Mm. be in God's presence because of how fortunate I am to be alive today when I don't have to do, go to these links to get there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, We have four more offerings to get through these next few weeks. Uh, Also be on the lookout. We have a a special episode of the Mission State Church podcast that'll be coming out this month, possibly sooner than later. Uh, It's going to be our first book club episode. I'm excited about that. Uh, But go ahead and, you know, follow, subscribe if you don't already. Check out more episodes of the Mission State Church podcast. Thanks for listening. And we will see you back here next Thursday for another episode of the Mission State Church podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.